We will be reading Psalm 1, the entire psalm. That's page 418 if you are following along in the Black Church Bible. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, you could raise your hand nice and high and one of the ushers would come and give you a copy of the Bible. The scripture reading this morning again is Psalm 1. Psalm 1. This is what Holy Scripture says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good to have my dear brother Francois Tarcote here today to preach for us. Francois was saved by God many years ago. He has faithfully served him since then. He is president of SEMBEC, which is the innovative, I think innovative, pastor training school of Quebec. It is wonderful to have Natalie here as well. Natalie and Francois have been married for 31 years, have two children. Uh, Francois sits with me on the council of the Gospel Coalition Canada. But above all, he is a good friend, a faithful brother in the Lord. He loves the Lord Jesus, and I am delighted that he is here to preach for us today. So, brother, please come and preach the Word of God. This should work. Is that okay? Good. It's glad to be here with you for worship this morning and uh, to go into the Word of God as it was read for you, Psalm 1. When I was in primary school, they told us that we cannot do in our mathematics classes 5 minus 7. This is not what they were offering to us at primary school. It was 7 minus 5. The other way around doesn't work. But then you go to high school and you learn that you can do 5 minus 7. And then you learn that you cannot divide by 0. That's something you can't do. And then you go to college like me. And then you learn that you can do divide by 0. And there's a way to do that. And then you learn that the mathematics you have done all your life is actually one of the models that is possible. 
And this is where my brains end. Uh, this is where I left courses on maths and went to do something else. Uh, but sometimes, simple thing talks louder than very complicated things. And this is what we have in front of us. Six verses that say so much, so much. This song is actually words of wisdom, Wim wisdom talk. We can say two ways. Or it's simple truth to kind of uh, be in our minds and it could be so strong and teaching to our heart and change our lives, change our destiny. Six verse, so simple, so clear, so much to say. When we read the song, it's not that the author of this song uh, is unable to know the life of everyone. All kinds of emotion were going through. All the book is about that. All the different emotion and challenge of life. It is through this book of the Bible that we learn how to pray and have a relationship with God and go through life with courage or consolation, joy or peace, comfort. Everything is there. But there's a time for introduction. This Psalm 1 and the second, Psalm 2, introduce all those beautiful psalms that we have in the book. The first one is more a personal reading. And the second one is more about nations. But both say about the same thing with different angles. They all, the first one start with the word blessed, and the second one finish with the word blessed. And the second one will put the accent on blessed is the one who take refuge in him. Him is being the king, the holy king, the Messiah. If you put your faith in him, you'll be blessed. And the first one will show a little bit what's the expression in the life of the one who put his faith in this king. We have so the personal expression for everyone here. Let's, I want to use one of my author. I like to share with you this morning six observations we can dig from this little chapter of Psalm 1 this morning. First, we live in a moral world. There is good, there is evil. And there is a moral call for everyone. That's how the, the, the psalm is starting. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So there is a choice to make. We live in a moral world. We try, at least in Quebec, I don't know in Ontario, but to kind of flee this idea. We want to create that everything is neutral. We don't want to live in a moral world anymore. The problem, it's so universal. It's God's design in our heart. 
when the war started 26 days ago, uh, after a few minutes, people could say, this is wrong, or this is wrong on both sides. Even though they try so hard to say, oh, we're going to accept everything and everything is good as long as you choose it, when something like the war happened, then this, there's a switch and they don't see it sometimes. It's a moral world also in movement. There is kind of a regress, as you can see. First you walk, then you stop, and then you sit, and, and it's, uh, it's kind of a, the way the Bible speaks so much and so many times. And, and we, we kind of, uh, the feeling is we kind of walk through kind of a kind of wisdom that is moral or not, and we take position, and finally we adopted it, and when sometimes you, <clears throat> you can be with the scoffers, and this is hard. I know personally people close, close to me that are there right now. But God is good. He can resurrect the dead. Those negatives starting the psalm is in contrast with a positive coming in. God himself declares something. He said, Blessed is the man. Like, the meaning here is like bravo. You have bravo? Understand that? Or I five. If you're not walking like this, this immoral way. But the contrast is here. But for the one, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditated day and night. That's very interesting. We will see the word delight here. We'll come back to this later. But we meditate on it. There's a time for reading the Bible. There's a time to also stop and meditate the Bible. Time that you have time to confess to worship, to, to listen, times for a verse that will be there for, you will stop for 30 minutes on one verse. And during the day, it will still be on your mind, and at night, it would still be there. And because it's impacting your life, and your eyes, are, through the Spirit, have stopped there in the Bible, and there's time for this. And we live in a world that is, more and more and more difficult to do that. Cultural options are available for us at the end of our fingers today. So it's very difficult to meditate, but there's a beauty of it. This is where God say, bravo. And to express what he has in mind, the author goes to an illustration, a very powerful illustration, by the way, he talks about a tree that has its root at the good source that will produce fruit. This is interesting because a, a tree doesn't carry the water from one point to the other, like a pump. It takes the water, transforms it, 
and produce a fruit with the water. Other things though, but water included. This should be the process when we meditate, read the scripture. We have our roots at the right, on the right spot, and what should be out of it, like in the prayer we did, fruit, transformation. And the, the way it is written is, if your roots are at the right, on the right source, right fruit will get out of it. And this is what I love from there. There's something that has been transformed by the work of the Lord through is the reading of his scripture. So there's a time for reading, but there's a time also for transformation in our heart. And the reason we need those reading and those meditating, because so much in our life, when we came to it, something happened. I can remember for my wife, she was kicked out of her house at the age of 17 and because she was believing in Jesus. And a couple of days after that, living on a Christian home who received her, she was reading on the psalm and she said, if my father and my mother are abandoning me, the Lord will take me in. Amen? What a word when you're going through this. I remember my, myself uh, when my father went away and my mother was left alone. I'm a single child. And I was living 12 hours away and praying about this. And the Lord gave me a text that said that my mother was like a widow and she needed help. And I just decided to move and change city and be with my mother through just reading the scripture, we can sometimes be called to obey God in a different and situation. It's so strong. It's rooted in the right source to produce good fruit. So we live in a moral world. Second observation. We are in a world of influence. The first verse is a verse where influence is there. We live in a world of influence. Everyone believes something, conscious or not. And most of the time in our lives, it starts with a simple uh, counsel, and then it becomes a way, and it becomes our whole destiny. Like in Romans chapter 1, we read that they were futile in thinking. They became foolish art, were darkened, and after that, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. There is influence here. We need to be aware of it. We live in a world of influence. We are slowly and gradually called to listen to something, adopt it, adopt a view. And we need to ask this question for us in this church this morning. 
What have most influenced you recently? What have you been most influenced by? Or, if you're older, what, what have been the main influence in your life in the last 10 years? If you ask a friend that is a real friend and ask this question, what do you think have been the most influential in my last 10 years? And listen, <laughs> that's a good question to ask. This is what Psalm 1 is asking us. For us today, everything is influenced. Barbie used to be a toy. It's now a movie and a message. Even, I don't know what you say in English, but the translation will be the Queen of Snow. The little movie, Let It Go. How do you say in English? So be supposed to be a kid's movie. But the message is, if you define yourself what you need to be, you'll be free. My little granddaughter, five years old, doesn't speak English very well yet, but she listened to some English cartoons and she's, let it go, let it go. And I want to tell her one day there's a problem with that. <coughs> She will say, a problem with, with let it go. Whether you're from an ecologist party or working in Alberta for the petroleum industries, whatever you are, you are influence. But what about you? What will people say of your life? Would they say you are a Maple Leaf fan? I hope not. <laughs> I'm joking here. But is that everything people think of you? What? Would people think you're influenced by something outside what the news is saying, or the, live, the life we live here. In a sense, uh, people should look at us and say, huh, I don't quite really know what he, he stands for. Or, you seem to have kind of a, an influence I cannot name. Maybe coming from another world, in a sense. I can't define you. But this reading this morning asks us this question. We live in a world of influence. Third observation. You live in a world where, ch where choices and how the people act are actually rooted in a worldview, and we have a tendency to forget about it. We don't live in a world where there's religious people and non-religious non people. That's not the way to describe the world. Everyone has faith, everyone is influenced, and everyone has a worldview. Now, How will we choose our worldview? 
Here, the author is singing us, as you know. What he delights is in the law of the Lord. I love what Ray Ortland says. What, what captivates our heart determines our destiny. What captivates my heart. Or Spinoza in philosophy said that desire in the heart of man describes who the man is. Even in Russian literature, Dostoevsky, what is man without his desires? Tim Savage says, humans are no more than his desires. They are very profound, but insistent. They are the motor of our lives. It is with real wisdom that the author of the psalm here, let's say David, says, but his delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. That's a very important word. He doesn't put the accent on clear obedience to the word here. But it's a word Delight. He's delighted by it. It's like for me when my wife cook a nice cake and to obey her is to eat it. Oh, I love obedience. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> But David delights in it. It touches his heart. It transforms his life into good fruits. It's a worldview that changes life. We are facing here kind of a... We talk a lot about these days about critical theory. The Bible is a critical theory. The Bible is, is the social critique of God himself, the creator, telling us what's the real issues in life and what's really wrong and how to fix it. That's why we hear it. We, we read here that there's the light in reading the Word of God and being exposed to this word coming from God and that is alive and goes through our heart and transform us. This should be our delight. When someone used the word to you, saying you a piece of the word of God, we shouldn't be reacting like, I know those things. Let's talk about serious stuff. This is serious stuff. This is the word that should nourish the way you see the world, the way you see your heart, the way your life is being transformed and shaped, the way you see everything else in a sense. 
other, any other religion, philosophy, or ideas will never satisfy your soul as the biblical vision of the world. Any other option will be empty compared to it. That's what David or the author is saying to us. Fourth observation. You live in a world where what we choose to do have consequences. As you have noticed, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Or, even later, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. We live in a world where there is consequences for what we do, what we choose, what is our moral options. That is not very popular neither to say that. We don't want to talk about those things. Even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul say, what a man will sow, he will also reap. He say that in a context, but it's a general principle that we see here in the psalm. What captivates your art actually determines, Ray Artland said, your destiny. He's right on it. He's right on it. It's not like, you know the phrase I hear the most? Oh, Francois, that's okay, you're a believer. That's all the same thing. That's fine. That's the version you choose, and it's cool for you. I take the taxi every time the driver want to be polite with me. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's, that's for as long as it's good for you. Maybe not in Ontario, but in Quebec will be like that. They want to make it equal. No consequences. But in one sense... The just flourish, the text that not maybe flourish in the world standard, but it will flourish in the God's worldview standards. And the contrast is clear. You have a tree like an oak rooted for decades. And to contrast to a little chaff that throws to the air will be blown away. He bears, he waits. There's no weight to it. In every movie, at the beginning of the movie, the, the evil guy seems so strong, so in control. He will win. There's no even an issue. But something happened through the movie, and it doesn't end the way like... It doesn't end like that, isn't it? Anyway, most of the movies. <laughs> and for movies where you have an evil guy who puts some stuff in a safe, he builds dozens of things to do to enter the safe, and he's sure nobody will crack it. And through the movie, what we learn, a little group of people, a tech guy, uh, you know, they have always the same kind of six guys, and one lady in because it won't be cool, and, and they, they crack it. 
Evil people are not in control in God's story timeline. Whatever you're going through right now, the evil doesn't end well. He's not in control. There's something that will happen called judgment. There is an end. It's like the world has a beginning and an end. It's not a cycle. This is what we read in this psalm. Now, you live in a world that is running through its final destination. People don't think about that. It's like in the time of Noah. People were getting married and getting new job and everything was moving forward. And like today, I'm listening to the radio and the news and, and it's like everything is normal. It's going on. And when they start to dig into good question, they, they jump to, oh, it's going to go well. Everything is fine. Oh, no, no, at the end, human, you know, human are good and it's going to turn right. I'm so impressed they still believe that today. And it doesn't change. They live in the same world. I don't know in Ontario, Toronto, but in Quebec we say there we all, people in the culture say three things are sure. Income tax, taxes, and death. I'm not talking about Christian here. I'm saying the culture people say those three, those three things are sure. You cannot avoid it. But they have a tendency to remember the first two, income tax and taxes. That's... that's that's hitting them strongly. Death, ah, they don't think about it. They should be thinking that debt it's stronger than taxes. We evacuate the idea of dying. I was in a funeral yesterday where the founder of Sembeck actually died. He was 95. And people were telling what they remember of his life. And it's great to see that this man knows that he was a man forgiven by Christ. And this was a miracle. And even at 95, he will tell that. This isn't something owned. This, and it's so good to be in a funeral. There's so many good things to learn and observe when we are facing death, people are scared, They're, what people are telling. But in the culture right now, in my province, people shorten and shorten the funeral's part. It used to be three days. Sympathies, time together, time to, to weep and... And, and reconnect sometimes, you know, you haven't seen someone for 25 years, and, and the funeral day, and the meal after. 
That has, that has all changed. We want to do like a two-hour quick stuff. Done. Check. We don't want to be in this place where we are reminded that there's an end to the story. We, we are even trying to do now celebration instead of funerals. <laughs> people, where my wife works with, with uh, aged people, and they choose to be, you know, I don't know the word in English, but end their life at the time they want. And the day before, they're doing a party. They bring everyone in. They want to have good music. They want to have... They want to celebrate. They want to avoid anything that would be sorrow or sad. We don't want to face that reality. But we are running toward the final destination. This is the word of this song. Everything is written in the reality of verse 5 and 6. Therefore... The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Six verse, it's there three times, reminding us what we don't want to go to. But when we're there and we take time for it, it's so amazing to, to, uh, to reflect when we, we are facing a dead body. Even today, we, we have more like a little pot, how do you call it, where you put the ashes, you know, it's, it's not even a, you don't even see someone dead. You don't wanna, we don't want to be there. But Ecclesiastes is saying us that there's more to learn in a funeral home than in a dancing party. And we need to live our life with this reality. Sometimes we just make plans and organize and, and live our life and whoop, when something happened on the road, you almost died and you have like a couple of seconds, yeah, oh, this is a reality. And quick after that, we go back to the rhythm of life. Why? Why is the author so insisting in this final destination? Because of the seriousness of the final destiny that is irreversible. That's normal. He's talking so much about this because he knows that humans normally live lives like, like it's not, not there. All the advertising in Quebec that when you learn you have a cancer moves you out of your seat and you're just like, whoa, your life is being, you know, totally, hey, bad news. Should we be so surprised? That's what I love about our, my African brothers and sisters. They have funerals every week. There's some region where life is difficult and they don't have all the resources we have here and for them, this is part of the rhythm of life. People will die. We don't live like that right now. 
<clears throat> Imagine the difference between the tree and the chaff. Sometimes when we look at the life of some Christian or our personal life, we feel sometimes it's the inverse. Like the, the wicked are better and us the just like, no. And we can remember Psalm 73 about that, where Asaph is, is going through this struggling and what helps him bring him back on his feet is the final destination. He remember that everyone will go through that. We have, in a sense, in our culture, threw out the baby with the water. When I talk, when you, if you talk about a, a judgment today, you just, you, you just feel a little bit bizarre, you know? Let's say at work you want to talk with your colleague and <clears throat> there's that and there's a judgment and there's hell. Woo! That will be a challenge. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to be, you know, the guy you know, like who, sit, who, who eat alone in the cafeteria because nobody wants to talk to this person. I'm not saying you have to be unwise, but I need. We need to bring those conversation back. And I talk to myself here. It's so, <clears throat> so easy to want to be loved. And, you know, people will say, oh, don't talk about this. This is obsolete. This is the wrong views of the Middle Ages, and we have progressed from there in a better world and better worldview, and it's not there anymore. It's dépassé. <laughs> But there is going to be an end of the world. And it's the same story again when Adam and Eve were in front of a tree themselves. You know what? They were told by a, a snake, the first influencer, saying them. Huh? You like that? That's, that's the same word, huh? So far away, but the same thing. The first one. He would have probably an Instagram account. <clears throat> but he told them, if you eat, you'll be satisfied. It was so wrong. And it leads them to death and to judgment instead of the true life they were supposed to have. It's so easy to avoid talking about... This is our serious stuff. I understand that. We don't throw them there, you know, like there's nothing else. But we, we need to, to think about it and talk about it. People today want to talk about equality. They want to they see people all equals. That's where we find in Psalm 1. Bring them to Psalm 1. If you have a conversation at work about equality, bring them here. You know what? Universe, universality of sin and death, this is where every human are equal. You want to talk about equality? That's the place to go. We have been created. We are sinner. We will die. 
Even in the Middle Ages, the book uh, Comédie de Dante, Dante, comedy. In hell, he described emperors, popes, kings. No influence, no riches, no hierarchy, nothing can reverse this principle that our soul will die. We will die. And everyone died equal, naked before God the Creator. Nothing to offer. And the description that we find in the book of Isaiah about this future is terrible. People want to go and run and, and hide into the, the, the cavern, the rocks, and they, they, they want to avoid this terrible day of judgment that the Bible is describing. Even in Psalm 2, there is a scene that we can see the kings themselves who want to <clears throat> want to reverse the king of all. They, they, have a, they meditate a plan to overthrow him. They are kings. They, wanna, they don't want a king. And even there, we, we read this sentence that, that in a sense, the Lord holds them in derision. The king of kings was a redemption plan with Jesus Christ the King. See all these human with their powers all around and through the nations and he can sit on his throne and be calm and, and have this word here, derision. <laughs> I have set my king. We can be at peace with that. And that the, the, the special thing of the psalm is there's not a third way, like a gray zone, a middle, you know? It's, it's two ways. And there's an end. You live in this world, also, six observations. You live in a world where justice exists. You may think about yourself here this morning. Yeah, maybe there's, in this area of Toronto here, maybe like, let's say, 80% are the, the just and 20% are the wicked, depending on your definition of wicked, maybe 10% or more, 40%. What is the Bible telling us? How many percent? Zero. There's zero just. Zero of follow and, and delight in the law of the Lord perfectly. Except one, as you know. Jesus lived his perfect life, obedient to the word of his Father, to the call of his Father, up to go to the dead of the cross. He accomplished the justice of God perfectly, and he offer you for free to enter his kingdom and to be forgiven and to receive his perfect justice and to live with him a life of delight. Amen? There's zero percent that was there by themselves. 
And this is one of the ways we can delight in the law of the Lord now. Because if you try to delight in the law of the Lord and you haven't met Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, this is terrible. You're reading every day how much you're not there yet. But in Christ, like Paul said, in Him, it is now the law of the Lord, something we can cherish. We live in a world of justice. God provided himself for this justice. And it ends with this. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. <laughs> the verb knows, knows here is a very profound word in Hebrew. It's a relational knowledge. It's not just ed knowledge. It's the same word as Adam's new Eve. It is so rich of now a real relationship. The God, the I am, the Yahweh knows you. And your life is hidden in him. So when Yahweh looks at you, he sees Christ, his son, and he delights in you. He delights in you. And you can delight in him through his word about the marvelous works he did for you to be known by him. Sometimes, we fear to be known by someone close to us, to be known really. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your, your anxiety. He knows your fear. He knows everything that's going through your mind. But because you are hidden in him, he can delight in you. You can be at peace, brothers and sisters. The Lord, I am, because of Christ, knows you, walks with you, delights in you, and you can delight in him. And James 1 said that the law of God is the law of freedom, liberty. How can a law be a freedom? Put that in the same sentence. People look at you bizarre. But that's the word of God when we are in Christ. For those of you who are a little bit older, there was a guy, a guy named Frank Sinatra. And he sang a song. I did it my way. You know that? When you read the lyrics of that song, it's terrible. It's terrible. But we sing this song with a smile on our face. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra didn't realize that when you did it your way, there's something that could get wrong. 
But that's where the scripture leads us to the need of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You live in a moral world. Be reminded of it. You live in a world of influence. You live in a world where there's worldviews competing. You live in a world where what you choose have consequences, not define who you are. You're already defined by God. You live in a world where there's justice in one person, Jesus Christ. Let's take just a minute while we pray to think and ask ourselves what we can get from this psalm this morning. Bow your heads. Let's pray.